Please bow with me in prayer. Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Well, as most of you, if not all of you know, we've arrived at this season called Advent. One of the dead giveaways is the Advent wreath. And some of you have even picked up on the sign of this purple that we see on us. And I always like purple since I'm a winter. Purple looks better on me than, than green. Um, but, you know, the season of Advent, we oftentimes associate with getting, getting ready for Christmas. And that's absolutely true. I mean, that's what a lot of the focus of the Advent wreath is and a lot of the devotions around uh, the Advent wreath. But it's not just about Christmas. And it's not just about getting ready for Christmas, like most of us are doing right now. But if you listen to the readings, and you listen to all of the readings, and in fact, if you see some of the focus around the season of Advent, it's also pointing to something beyond just Christmas. It's also about Jesus' second coming. And it's the same thing that we see in the creed when we say the creed every Sunday. It's not just about Jesus' first coming. It's about Jesus' second coming. That there's these two comings, if you will, that we talk about with Jesus. And the season of Advent tends to draw us towards both. But we're always drawn in our nature, in our person, Our desire is to focus on the first coming. It's Christmas. We like Christmas. There's a certain sentimentality about Christmas. There's a sweetness about Christmas. There's a gentleness about Christmas. And it tends to, most of the time, bring out a certain kindness and compassion. You know, except when we gather as families and sometimes things get a little tense. Most of the time. It's kindness and compassion. But in reality, if you study the life of Jesus and you take in the whole of what he says and not just part of what he says, you see both of these sides in his life. It's not just the one side. If you look at all of his words, it's not just the one side. Because in many ways, he talks about his second coming. In many ways, and his words, he has, if you will, that sweetness and that kindness and that gentleness and that compassion. Particularly when he's dealing with the infirmed and he's dealing with the blatant sinner who is more than wanting to repent and change their life. But then he deals with the self-righteous or the ones who put on their faith or want you to think They're righteous, that they've got their act together. And then he has a different tone. Like, for example, when he clears the temple. He wasn't all sweetness and light then. Or, most people would say, he's not being very nice there. Or when he called the Pharisees sons of the devil. 
which most people tend to ignore when he says things like that in John chapter 8. See, because we want to focus on the Christmas side of Jesus, the sweet side, the kind side, but not the prophetic side and not the side of judgment, which both sides are there. But let me tell you what, most of us have those two sides. If you really think about it, if you're really honest, most of us have those two sides, don't we? Case in point, for those of you that have had children that have moved from infancy, when you look at your children and all you can think of is sweetness. They're just so cute. And they're so wonderful. And they make you babbling idiots. And all you want to do is hold them and they smile and everything's wonderful. And then they become teenagers. And then your voice changes. Not theirs, yours. Interesting. There's the two sides. I don't know if you had friends like this, but I remember friends of mine that their parents would say, this is an interesting thing to me. Their parents would say, we don't use our outside voice inside. And I would be thinking to myself, what? Do you know what I'm talking about, inside voice, outside voice? Have any idea? See, I grew up in a house where my mom was Italian, my dad was German. We had the two, ac- two of the three access powers in our house. Outside voice? Inside voice? What does that mean? The two different sides. See, we want the the pastoral Jesus. We don't want the prophetic Jesus. See, John the Baptist, on the other hand, we recognize as the prophetic voice. John the Baptist had one voice, the outside voice. The voice of one crying in the wilderness. He was the one preparing the way for the Lord. He was the one trying to wake people up out of their complacency. out of their apathy, out of their spiritual malaise. Because so many people are there. Do you realize that? So many people are so passive in their faith. So superficial in their faith. Or, like the Pharisees who he called out, Faking it. Some people, in fact, don't care at all. They just don't. But some people are just faking it. They play it religion. They play it faith. And John the Baptist said, no, it's time to wake up. And I'm just the precursor. 
I baptize you with water. There's one coming who's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. I'm just introducing the change. There's real change coming. Because that's God's design. Because that's God's desire. Because becoming godly and being filled with the Holy Spirit is something that is not natural to who we are. That's why we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why we need to be transformed. That's why the fruit of the Spirit is exactly that. The fruit of the Holy Spirit, not our fruit. We need to be transformed and changed by Him. To bear His fruit. As John the Baptist said, the fruit that befits righteousness. When you think of fruit, think about it. Some apples, they look exactly the same. And when you bite into them, they might be significantly different. What's different? It's what's on the inside, not the way they appear. On the outside, they might both appear sweet and good. But on the inside, one might be bitter. One might have a worm. And God wants to change us from the inside out. So for this Advent message, I've got three R's for you to think about. That way it might be easy for you to remember. The first R is recognition. Recognition. John the Baptist, when he came out with his prophetic ministry, he wanted to bring recognition not to himself. Not to himself. That was what the Pharisees and the Sadducees were about. They wanted to bring recognition to themselves. What John the Baptist was trying to do was trying to get people to recognize the reality of their lives and the reality of their need. He dressed in an austere way. He ate in a very odd fashion. He lived out in the wilderness because he didn't care about worldly things and worldly success. That was not his purpose. His purpose was focusing on God's desire, God's purpose for his life, and preparing the way for Jesus Christ. One purpose, singular. And he wanted people to recognize the reality of their lives. And so his very appearance caused people to just say, what? So that he might get a hearing. And he got a hearing. People came out of the city to hear this guy because he was not only looking different, he was saying something different. Not what the Pharisees and Sadducees would say. This guy was different. His message was different. And he was calling people to repentance. He called out the Pharisees. People never did that. They were the holy ones. They were the ones that had the power. They were the ones that would threaten people with excommunication, as we call it. Thrown out of the temple. People were afraid of them. John the Baptist called them out. He called them brood of vipers. Snakes. 
Who was the first snake? Satan. That's a pretty strong message. He got people's attention. Because he had a message. And his message wasn't about him. It was about the one who was coming after him. Who was going to bring that Holy Spirit and that fire. And he said, I'm looking for real children of Abraham. Real children of Abraham. Not ones who say, oh, by the way, Abraham was my ancestor. Just look it up. Ancestry.com. Just look it up. How many times it's like what was back there? You know, I was raised in the church. You know, just look at my family. Or I go to church once in a while. Or I was baptized. Or I was confirmed. Whatever. Just look at my background. John the Baptist said, I'm looking for real children of Abraham. Children of faith. Children who step out and follow the call of God. Who say, I'm leaving that behind. Because I trust Him. I trust Him. And I want to listen for His voice. And I want to go where He calls me. Read Romans 3 and 4, because that's what Paul talks about. Children of Abraham are children of a real faith, an alive faith, that follow God's call. And it begins with the first words out of John's mouth, the first words out of Jesus' mouth, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repentance. You know, so many people want Jesus to be a religious leader, or they want him to be a model. Or they want him to be a nice guy. Because it waters the message down. And it makes Jesus palatable. It makes faith milk toast. It begins with repentance. A complete change. A complete transformation. Which is why that change takes the Holy Spirit, not just us saying, oh, okay, no big deal. It takes the Holy Spirit. It takes fire. A real change. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's why Jesus came to die on a cross. He... He didn't need to go to a cross if it was just about being a model. It's because we needed a Savior. That's what His name means. Jesus means Savior. We needed a Savior because of the depth of our need. That's what we need to remember. We need to change. And change means and implies a response. It begins with John the Baptist. Baptism. 
That's the cleansing. That's the new beginning. Or as Jesus would say in John chapter 3, born again or born from above. That's the beginning. But that's not the end. That's why the Holy Spirit and fire. You know, most of you, if not all of you, heard about the fire in Gatlinburg, which is terrible. It's awful. Destroyed a lot of people's homes, a lot of people's lives. Larry and Lucy Mann lost a home out there, which is awful. I've stayed there. It's a wonderful place. It's total destruction. But this fire of the Holy Spirit is different. It's a fire that's like a slow burn within us. Because perfection comes when we see the Lord face to face in heaven. This slow burn is continually cleansing us and purifying us and changing us. This slow burn is keeping the growth going. Meredith and I last weekend went down to visit her sister and her sister's husband for Thanksgiving. And one of the things we did while we were down there, we went to this town called St. Mark's. Anybody heard of St. Mark's? It's right on the coast, about an hour south of Tallahassee. And it's this beautiful preserve. And it's really great. And there's a lighthouse there. It's really, really neat. And this town, St. Mark's, was the fifth largest city in Florida at the time of the Civil War and a little after the Civil War. It's about the size of Pritchardville. It's not that big. But it's really quaint and cute. But one of the things I noticed all around the preserve is they had done a slow burn there. Why do you do a slow burn? It's so you can kill a lot of the undergrowth that's unhealthy. And you can allow new growth. We need new growth in our lives. That's why the Holy Spirit needs to burn within us. Because then it becomes His growth. Constantly. Not just once. Not just at our baptism, not just at our confirmation, not just when we give our lives to Christ. Constantly growing in Him. You never stop. Never in this life. Why is it we think, been there, done that? That doesn't happen. Not as a Christian. You never stop. You are to constantly be growing. Constantly to be giving. Giving of yourself and laying down your life. That's what Christ modeled. That's what John the Baptist modeled. That's what Paul modeled. And we've had models down through history. This slow burn within us. 
You know, as we approach Christmas, I'm amazed to hear people say, last week, I'm ready. I'm ready for Christmas. Drives me nuts. How can you be ready? And then you talk to other people that are like panicked already. I haven't done anything for Christmas. You know those people? I haven't done anything. I've got so much to do. And then you've got the people like Meredith and I that are in between. Like we've done some things, we've got other things to do. It's like a constant kind of always there kind of thing. Well, we thought we were more ready than we are in that. When we got back from Thanksgiving, we got the tree out from underneath the house and we got it up and everything. And when I say underneath the house, you need to know that underneath the house meant that during the hurricane, it got wet. And it's one of these pre-lit trees kind of thing. And so I put the tree up and I plugged it in and I heard this. (laughs) And so um, I played around with it for a little while. I can do electrical a little bit. So I played around. I got most of the lights working. And so I, I said to Meredith, Meredith, I got most of the lights working. She said, uh-huh. <laughs> and, I, and, and so she came over and she said, it smells a little musty too. <laughs> and I said, yeah, but we can make it work. I'm basically frugal. You know, you need to understand. Well, the next day Meredith went out and got a new tree. <laughs> so we're now a little more ready than we were then. But it was a surprise. I mean, I know I probably shouldn't have been surprised because it was under the house and under the house got wet. But I was surprised. Life is full of surprises. That first Christmas when Jesus was born was a surprise. The world was caught unaware. Herod was surprised. The shepherds were surprised. The second coming will be a surprise. The first coming of Jesus came with a lot of gentleness and quiet and peace, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. The second coming is going to have some bluntness to it. You know, most of us like gentleness. Most of us don't like people being blunt to us. Right? Most of us don't like people being loud to us. Except maybe at sporting events. John the Baptist said what he said for a reason. And Jesus warned of coming judgment for a reason. Jesus didn't just tell partial truth. He wanted us to know the whole truth.
that he came to save us and lay down his life for us because he loves us. And he desires that we would repent and respond because there is judgment coming. We love when we're warned about hurricanes. We love when we're warned about fires coming. But the second coming for some is going to be like a tornado. There's not going to be any warning. But he wants us to know. And there's going to be lots of people surprised. Have you recognized the need in your life? Have you repented? Have you responded? And will you be his witness for those who don't know him? Let's pray. Lord God, you sent John the Baptist to be your prophet. A voice crying in the wilderness to prepare the way. And you sent your son Jesus a great pastor and a prophet to usher in the kingdom. And both cried out at the beginning of their ministry, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Lord, we thank you that in your grace and mercy, You give us that opportunity. And through the gift of your son, Jesus. And because of his going to the cross out of love for us. We have that gift. Lord, help us to respond with the whole of our being. And help us to be your witness this Advent this Christmas and throughout our lives. Lord, fill us with your spirit. Help us to have that slow burn that never goes away. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.